Chapter Eight of the Search by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Eight. Ruth sat looking into space with starry eyes and glowing cheeks after she had read the letter. It seemed to her a wonderful letter, quite the most wonderful she had ever received. Perhaps it was because it fitted so perfectly with her ideal of the writer, who, from her little girlhood, had always been a picture of what a hero must be. She used to dream big things about him when she was a child. He had been the best baseball player in school when he was ten, and the handsomest little rowdy in town, as well as the boldest, bravest champion of the little girls. As she grew older and met him occasionally, she had always been glad that he kept his old hero look, though often appearing in rough garb. She had known they were poor. There had been some story about a loss of money, and a long expensive sickness of the father's, following an accident, which made all the circumstances most trying, but she had never heard the details. She only knew that most of the girls in her set looked on him as a nobody, and would no more have companied with him than with their father's chauffeur. After he grew older and began to go to college, some of the girls began to think he was good-looking, and to say it was quite commendable in him to try to get an education. Some had even unearthed the fact that his had been a fine old family in former days, and that there had been wealth and servants once, but the story died down as John Cameron walked his quiet way apart keeping to his old friends and not responding to the feeble advances of the girls ruth had been away at school in these days and had seldom seen him when she had there had always been that lingering admiration for him from the old days she had told herself that of course he could not be worth much or people would know him he was probably ignorant and uncultured and a closer acquaintance would show him far from what her young ideas had pictured her hero but somehow that day at the station the look in his face had revealed fine feeling and she was glad now to have her intuition concerning him verified by his letter and what a letter it was why no young man of her acquaintance could have written with such poetic delicacy that paragraph about the rose was beautiful and not a bit too presuming either in one who had been a perfect stranger all these years she liked his simple frankness and the easy way he went back twelve years and began just where they left off there was none of the bold forwardness that might have been expected in one who had not moved in cultured society there was no unpleasant assumption of familiarity which might have emphasized her fear that she had overstepped the bounds of convention in writing to him in the first place on the contrary her humiliation at his long-delayed answer was all forgotten now he had understood her perfectly and accepted her letter in exactly the way she had meant it without the least bit of foolishness or unpleasantness in short he had written the sort of a letter that the kind of man she had always thought hoped he was would be likely to write and it gave her a surprisingly pleasant feeling of satisfaction it was as if she had discovered a friend all of her own not made for her by her family nor one to whom she fell heir because of her wealth and position but just one she had found out in the great world of souls if he had been going to remain at home there might have been a number of questions social and conventional which would have arisen to bar the way to this free feeling of a friendship 
and which she would have had to meet and reason with before her mind would have shaken itself unhampered but because he was going away and on such an errand perhaps never to return the matter of what her friends might think or what the world would say simply did not enter into the question at all the war had lifted them both above such ephemeral barriers into the place of vision where a soul was a soul no matter what he possessed or who he was so as she sat in her big white room with all its dainty accessories to a luxurious life fit setting for a girl so lovely she smiled unhindered at this bit of beautiful friendship that had suddenly drifted down at her feet out of a great outside unknown world she touched the letter thoughtfully with caressing fingers and the kind of a high look in her eyes that a lady of old must have worn when she thought of her knight it came to her to wonder that she had not felt so about any other of her men friends who had gone into the service why should this special one soldier boy represent the whole war as it were in this way to her however it was but a passing thought and with a smile upon her lips she went to the drawer and brought out the finely knitted garments she had made wrapping them up with care and sending them at once upon their way it somehow gave her pleasure to set aside a small engagement she had for that afternoon until she had posted the package herself even then when she took her belated way to a little gathering in honor of one of her girlfriends who was going to be married the next week to a young aviator she kept the smile on her lips and the dreamy look in her eyes and now and then brought herself back from the chatter around her to remember that something pleasant had happened not that there was any foolishness in her thoughts there was too much dignity and simplicity about the girl young as she was to allow her to deal even with her own thoughts in any but a maidenly way and it was not in the ordinary way of a maid with a man that she thought of this young soldier he was so far removed from her life in every way and all the well-drilled formalities that it never occurred to her to think of him in the same way she thought of her other men friends a friend who understood her and whom she could understand that was what she had always wanted and what she had never quite had with any of her young associates one or two had approached to that but always there had been a point at which they had fallen short that she should make this man her friend whose letter crackled in her pocket in that intimate sense of the word did not occur to her even now he was somehow set apart for service in her mind and as such she had chosen him to be her special knight she to be the lady to whom he might look for encouragement whose honour he was going forth to defend it was a misty dreamy ideal of a thought somehow she would not have picked out any other of her boy-friends to be a knight for her they were too flippant too careless and light-hearted the very way in which they lighted their multitudinous cigarettes and flipped the match away gave the impression that they were going to have the time of their lives in this war they might have patriotism down at the bottom of all this froth and boasting doubtless they had but there was so little seriousness about them that one would never think of them as knights defenders of some great cause of righteousness perhaps it was only her old baby fancy for the little boys who could always lick the other boys and save the girls from trouble that prejudiced her in his favor but at least it was pleasant and a great relief to know that her impulsive letter had not been misunderstood the girls prattled of this one and that one who were going over soon told of engagements and marriages soon to occur criticized the brides and grooms-to-be 
declaring their undying opinions about what was fitting for a war bride to wear and whether they would like to marry a man who had to go right into war and might return minus an arm or an eye they discoursed about the u-boats with a frothy cheerfulness that made ruth shudder and in the same breath told what nice eyes a young captain had who had recently visited the town and what perfectly lovely uniforms he wore they argued with serious zeal whether a girl should wear an olive drab suit this year if she wanted to look really smart they were the girls among whom she had been brought up and ruth was used to their froth but somehow to-day it bored her beyond expression she was glad to make an excuse to get away and she drove her little car around by the way of john cameron's home hoping perhaps to get a glimpse of his mother again but the house had a shut-up look behind the vine that he had trained as if it were lonely and lying back in a long wait till he should come or not come a pang went through her heart for the first time she thought what it meant for a young life like that to be silenced by cold steel the home empty the mother alone his ambitions and hopes unfulfilled it came to her too that if he were her knight he might have to die for her for his cause she shuddered and swept the unpleasant thought away but it had left its mark and would return again on the way back she passed a number of young soldiers home on twenty-four hour leave from the nearby camps they saluted her most eagerly and she knew that any one of them would have gladly occupied the vacant seat in her car but she was not in the mood to talk with them she felt that there was something to be thought out and fixed in her mind some impression that life had for her that afternoon that she did not want to lose in the mild fritter of gay banter that would be sure to follow if she stopped and took home some of the boys so she bowed graciously and swept by at a high speed as if in a great hurry the war the war it was beating itself into her brain again in much the same way it had done on that morning when the draft men went away only now it had taken on a more personal touch she kept seeing the lonely vine-clad house where that one soldier had lived and which he had left so desolate she kept thinking how many such homes and mothers there must be in the land that evening when she was free to go to her room she read john cameron's letter again and then feeling almost as if she were childish in her haste she sat down and wrote an answer somehow that second reading made her feel his wish for an answer it seemed a mute appeal that she could not resist when john cameron received that letter and the accompanying package he was lifted into the seventh heaven for a little while he forgot all his misgivings he even forgot lieutenant wainwright who had but that day become a most formidable foe having been transferred to cameron's company where he was liable to be commanding officer in absence of the captain and where frequent salutes would be inevitable it had been a terrible blow to cameron but now it suddenly seemed a small matter he put on his new sweater and swelled around the way the other boys did letting them all admire him he examined the wonderful socks almost reverently putting a large curious finger gently on the red and blue stripes and thrilling with the thought that her fingers had plied the needles in those many many stitches to make them he almost felt it would be sacrilege to wear them and he laid them away most carefully and locked them in the box under his bed lest some other fellow should admire and desire them to his loss but with the letter he walked away into the woods as far as the bounds of the camp would allow and read and re-read it 
rising at last from it as one refreshed from a comforting meal after long fasting it was on the way back to his barracks that night walking slowly under the starlight not desiring to be back until the last minute before night taps because he did not wish to break the wonderful evening he had spent with her that he resolved to try to leave the next saturday and go home to thank her back in the barracks with the others he fairly scintillated with wit and kept his comrades in roars of laughter until the officer of the night suppressed them summarily but long after the others were asleep he lay thinking of her and listening to the singing of his soul as he watched a star that twinkled with a friendly gleam through a crack in the roof above his cot once again there came the thought of god and a feeling of gratitude for this lovely friendship in his life if he knew where god was he would like to thank him lying so and looking up to the star he breathed from his heart a wordless thanksgiving the next night he wrote and told her he was coming and asked permission to call and thank her face to face then he fairly haunted the post-office at mail-time the rest of the week hoping for an answer he had not written his mother about his coming for he meant not to go this week if there came no word from ruth besides it would be nice to surprise his mother then there was some doubt about his getting a pass anyway and so between the two anxieties he was kept busy up to the last minute but friday evening he got his pass and in the last mail came a special delivery from ruth just a brief note saying she had been away from home when his letter arrived but she would be delighted to see him on sunday afternoon as he had suggested he felt like a boy let loose from school as he brushed up his uniform and polished his big army shoes while his less fortunate companions kidded him about the girl he was going to see he denied their thrusts joyously in his heart repudiating any such personalities yet somehow it was pleasant he had never realized how pleasant it would be to have a girl and be going to see her such a girl of course she was not for him not with that possessiveness but she was a friend a real friend and he would not let anything spoil the pleasure of that he had not thought anything in his army experience could be so exciting as that first ride back home again somehow the deference paid to his uniform got into his blood and made him feel that people all along the line really did care for what the boys were doing for them it made camp life and hardships seem less dreary it was great to get back to his little mother and put his big arms around her again she seemed so small had she shrunken since he left her or was he grown so much huskier with the out-of-door life both perhaps and he looked at her sorrowfully she was so little and quiet and brave to bear life all alone if he could only get back and get to succeeding in life so that he might make some brightness for her she had borne so much and she ought not to have looked so old and worn at her age for a brief instant again his heart was almost bitter and he wondered what god meant by giving his good little mother so much trouble was there a god when such things could be he resolved to do something about finding out this very day it was pleasant to help his mother about the kitchen saving her as she had not been saved since he left telling her about the camp and listening to her tearful admiration of him she could scarcely take her eyes from him he seemed so tall and big and handsome in his uniform he appeared so much older and more manly that her heart yearned for her boy who seemed to be slipping away from her 
it was so heavenly blessed to sit down beside him and sew on a button and mend a torn spot in his flannel shirt and have him pat her shoulder now and then contentedly then with pride she sent him down to the store for something nice for dinner and watched him through the window with a smile the tears running down her cheeks how tall and straight he walked how like his father when she first knew him she hoped the neighbors were all looking out and would see him her boy her soldier boy and he must go away from her perhaps to die but he was here to-day she would not think of the rest she would rejoice now in his presence he walked briskly down the street past the houses that had been familiar all his life meeting people who had never been wont to notice him before and they smiled upon him from afar now greeted him with enthusiasm and turned to look after him as he passed on it gave him a curious feeling to have so much attention from people who had never known him before it made him feel strangely small yet filled with a great pride and patriotism for the country that was his and the government which he now represented to them all he was something more to them now than just one of the boys about town who had grown up among them he was a soldier of the united states he had given his life for the cause of righteousness the bitterness he might have felt at their former ignoring of him was swallowed up in their genuine and hearty friendliness he met the white-haired minister kindly and dignified who paused to ask him how he liked camp life and to commend him as a soldier and looking in his strong gentle face john cameron remembered his resolve he flashed a keen look at the gracious countenance and made up his mind to speak i'd like to ask you a question dr thurlow it's been bothering me quite a little ever since this matter of going away to fight has been in my mind is there any way that a man that i can find god that is if there is a god i've never thought much about it before but life down there in camp makes a lot of things seem different and i've been wondering i'm not sure what i believe is there any way i can find out a pleasant gleam of surprise and delight thrilled into the deep blue eyes of the minister it was startling it almost embarrassed him for a moment it was so unexpected to have a soldier ask a question about god it was almost mortifying that he had never thought it worth while to take the initiative on that question with the young man why certainly he said heartily of course of course i'm very glad to know you are interested in those things couldn't you come into my study and talk with me i think i could help you i'm sure i could i haven't much time said cameron shyly half ashamed now that he had opened his heart to an almost stranger he was not even his mother's minister and he was a comparative newcomer in the town how had he come to speak to him so impulsively i understand exactly of course said the minister with growing eagerness could you come in now for five or ten minutes i'll turn back with you and you can stop on your way or we can talk as we go were you thinking of uniting with the church we have our communion the first sunday of next month i should be very glad if you could arrange we have a number of young people coming in now i'd like to see you come with them the church is a good safe place to be it was established by god it is a school in which to learn of him it is but i'm not what you would call a christian protested cameron i don't even know that i believe in the bible i don't know what your church believes i don't have a very definite idea of what any church believes 
I would be a hypocrite to stand up and join a church when I wasn't sure there was a God. My dear young fellow, said the minister affectionately, not at all, not at all. The church is the place for young people to come when they have doubts. It is a shelter and a growing place. Just trust yourself to God and come in among his people and your doubts will vanish. Don't worry about doubts. Many people have doubts. Just let them alone and put yourself in the right way and you will forget them. I should be glad to talk with you further. I would like to see you come into communion with God's people. If you want to find God, you should come where he has promised to be. It is a great thing to have a fine young fellow like you, and a soldier, array himself on the side of God. I would like to see you stand up on the right side before you go out to meet danger and perhaps death. John Cameron stood watching him as he talked. He's a good old guy, he thought gravely, but he doesn't get my point. He evidently believes what he says, but I don't just see going blindfolded into a church. However, there's something to what he says about going where God is if I want to find him. Out loud he merely said, I'll think about it, doctor, and perhaps come in to see you the next time I'm home. Then he excused himself and went on to the store. As he walked away he said to himself, I wonder what Ruth MacDonald would say if I asked her the same question. I wonder if she has thought anything about it. I wonder if I'd ever have the nerve to ask her. The next morning he suggested to his mother that they go to Dr. Thurlow's church together. She would have very much preferred going to her own church with him, but she knew that he did not care for the minister and had never been very friendly with the people, so she put aside her secret wish and went with him. To tell the truth, she was very proud to go anywhere with her handsome soldier son, and one thing that made her more willing was that she remembered that the McDonald's always went to the Presbyterian church and perhaps they would be there today, and Ruth would see them. But she said not a word of this to her boy. John spent most of the time with his mother. He went up to the college for an hour or so on Saturday evening, dropping in on his fraternity for a few minutes, and realizing what true friends he had among the fellows who were left, though most of them were gone. He walked about the familiar rooms, looking at the new pictures, photographs of his friends in uniform, this one was a lieutenant in officer's training camp. That one had gone with the ambulance corps. Tom was with the engineers, and Jimmy and Sam had joined the tank service. Two of the fellows were in France in the front ranks. Another had enlisted in the Marines. It seemed that hardly any were left. And of those, three that had been turned down for some slight physical defect were working in munitions factories and the shipyard. He did not stay long. There was a restlessness about it all that pulled the strings of his heart and made him realize how different everything was. Sunday morning, as he walked to church with his mother, he wondered why he had never gone more with her when he was at home. It seemed a pleasant thing to do. The service was beautifully solemn, and Dr. Thurlow had many gracious words to say of the boys in the army, and spent much time reading letters from those at the front who belonged to the church and Sunday school and spoke of the supreme sacrifice in light of a saving grace. But the sermon was a gentle, ponderous thing that got nowhere, spiced toward its close with thrilling scenes from battle news. John Cameron, as he listened, did not feel that he had found God. He did not feel a bit enlightened by it. He laid it to his own ignorance and stupidity, though, and determined not to give up the search. 
the prayer at the close of the sermon somehow clinched his resolve because there was something so genuine and sweet and earnest about it he could not help thinking that the man might know more of god than he was able to make plain to his hearers he had really never noticed either a prayer or a sermon before in his life he had sat in the room with very few he wondered if all sermons and prayers were like these and wished he had noticed them he had never been much of a church-goer but the climax the real heart of his whole two days was after sunday dinner when he went out to call upon ruth macdonald and it was characteristic of his whole reticent nature and the way he had been brought up that he did not tell his mother where he was going it had never occurred to him to tell her his movements when they did not directly concern her and she had never brought herself up to ask him it is the habit of some women and many mothers a great embarrassment fell upon him as he entered the grounds of the macdonald place and when he stood before the plate-glass doors waiting for an answer to his ring he would have turned and fled if he had not promised to come it was perhaps not an accident that ruth let him in herself and took him to a big quiet library with open windows overlooking the lawn and heavy curtains shutting them in from the rest of the house where to his great amazement he could feel at once at ease with her and talk to her just as he had done in her letters and his own somehow it was like having a lifetime dream suddenly fulfilled to be sitting this way in pleasant converse with her watching the lights and shadows of expression flit across her sensitive face and knowing that the light in her eyes was for him it seemed incredible but she evidently enjoyed talking to him afterwards he thought about it as if their souls had been calling to one another across infinite space things that neither of them could quite hear and now they were within hailing distance he thanked her for the sweater and other things and they had talked a little about the old school days and how life changed people when he happened to glance out of the window near him and saw a man in officer's uniform approaching he stopped short in the midst of a sentence and rose his face set his eyes still on the rapidly approaching soldiers i'm sorry he said i shall have to go it's been wonderful to come but i must go at once perhaps you'll let me go out this way it is a shorter cut thank you for everything and perhaps if there's ever another time i'd like to come again oh please don't go yet she said putting out her hand in protest but he grasped the hand with a quick impulsive grip and with a hasty i'm sorry but i must he opened the glass door to the side piazza and was gone in much bewilderment and distress ruth watched him stride away toward the hedge and disappear then she turned to the front window and caught a glimpse of lieutenant wainwright just mounting the front steps what did it all mean End of chapter 8